In the early 1900s, Palestine was a land of old olive groves. It was also a land of busy markets. It was under the British mandate and a cauldron of growing unrest. The discord was not just political. It was deeply woven into daily life, culture, and belief. This is the story of a divided land. Its people are bound by love for the same soil yet torn apart by invisible lines of enmity. Once, Jews and Arabs in Palestine shared the lanes, the markets, and the harvest seasons. Each group added to the rich mosaic of the land. But in the 1920s, a new wind began. It brought ships with Jewish immigrants to the ports of Palestine. The new arrivals fled persecution. They dreamed of a homeland. Their determination upset the delicate balance of life. They bought land, but only on their own. They hired hands, but only of their kind. This created invisible walls between neighbors who once shared bread. Arabs had lived on the land for generations. They watched as their ancestors' landscape began to change. Tensions simmered as the Jewish population grew. A silent storm gathered over the olive groves and the minarets. It was during these years of brewing storm clouds. Then, Haj Mohammed Amin al-Husayni became a leader among the Palestinian Arabs. A man of fierce conviction, he saw in the changing winds a threat to the very soul of Palestine. He warned his people of a grave danger. The new Jewish immigrants sought land and rebuilt their ancient temple. They would do this upon the sacred grounds of the Dome of the Rock and Al-Aqsa. The words of Al-Husayni, like sparks in a parched field, ignited the flames of religious fervor. In 1921, tensions boiled over in Jaffa. Arab resentment and fear erupted into violence against Jews. The Jaffa riots were just the first flames. They swept through Palestine, leaving scars on the land and its people. In response to the violence, the Jewish community founded the Haganah, a defense force. This marked the start of an era where both communities prepared for the storm they knew was coming. The years rolled on, and with each passing season, the rift widened. In 1929, the ancient city of Hebron was a place where Jews and Arabs had lived together for centuries. It became the scene of a massacre that shocked the world. Violence spread to Safed and Jerusalem. It left a trail of devastation and sorrow. It was the land of olive trees and ancient stones. It was once a symbol of endurance and peace. But now, it was a testament to division and bloodshed. Europe was edging closer to war in the late 1930s. Al-Husayni still leads the Supreme Muslim Council in Palestine. He is charismatic and controversial. It called for an Arab revolt. It was a call to arms, an uprising that would see blood spilled in the streets of cities and towns across Palestine. Attackers targeted Jews. They destroyed their homes and businesses. It was a desperate bid by the Arab population to reclaim the land they felt was slipping away. During this turmoil, the British were seeking al-Husayni. He fled and found refuge in the corridors of power from Lebanon to Nazi Germany. He left behind a land torn apart by hatred and fear. The British held the mandate over Palestine. They watched as the land they governed fell into chaos. They sought to end the violence. They wanted to make peace from the tattered remains of living together. They tried to find a path forward through reports and commissions of inquiry. These included the Haycraft, Shaw, Peel, and Woodhead reports. The Peel Commission of 1937 proposed a radical solution. They wanted to divide the land into two states, one for Arabs and one for Jews. It was a desperate proposal. It admitted that the gap between the two communities might be too wide to bridge. Yet this proposal, too, fell on barren ground. Arab leaders in Palestine still echo al-Husayni's fervor. They reject any idea of sharing Palestine. 
Jewish leaders were divided, but they saw a glimmer of hope in the Peel recommendations. They saw hope for a homeland, a sanctuary from the persecution they faced elsewhere. But the dream of coexistence seemed a distant mirage, fading into the desert horizon. The Woodhead Commission followed. It sought to re-examine the Peel Plan and find a compromise. This was in a land where compromise seemed impossible. Yet they, too, concluded that splitting was not possible. It would require a forced move of people. But the British were unwilling to make it happen. The British government faced high hurdles. They were political, administrative, and financial. They were too high to surmount. So, the government rejected the idea of partition. These peace attempts failed. They left Palestine divided. It was a microcosm of a world on the brink of war. The Arabs and Jews of Palestine would experience more conflict in the coming decades. There would be loss and displacement, and shattered dreams and reborn hopes. This story has its roots in the 1920s and 1930s. It is a prelude to the ongoing struggle over the land of Palestine. Many people consider the land sacred, and a conflict has echoed through the ages on this land. The sun sets over the olive groves, casting long shadows on the ancient stones. The story of Palestine continues. It is a tale of love and loss, of exile and return. It is a story that time has not resolved. It is a testament to the human spirit's quest for home, peace, and a place to stand in a shifting world. In the heart of the 1930s, the world edged closer to a catastrophic war. Palestine became the stage for a story of hope, despair, and unending aspiration. The story is set in May 1939, a pivotal moment. The British government ruled Palestine at the time. They introduced a policy. It would change the course of history for their people and those seeking refuge there. Our tale begins with the issuance of a policy paper by the British authorities. They made it to implement a one-state solution in Palestine. This policy cut the number of Jewish immigrants allowed into Palestine. It introduced a quota system for Jewish immigration. In the short term, the British government was to set the quota. But the long-term vision gave this power to the Arab leadership. Also, the policy limited Jews' rights to buy land from Arabs. It aimed to ease tensions within the region. The restrictions would last until the end of the mandate period. This period they coincided with the hard years of World War II and the Holocaust. These were times when many Jewish refugees sought escape from Europe's turmoil. Amid these tough times, the Yeshev's leaders arranged many waves of illegal immigration. They sent the immigrants to British Palestine. They knew this movement as Aliyah Bet. This defiance was against the British Mandate's restrictions. A desperate need for a haven drove it. It also triggered more tensions in the region. David Ben-Gurion was a prominent leader in the Yeshev. He had ambitions that went beyond the limits set by the British and the current situation. He envisioned concentrating the masses of Jewish people in Palestine and its environs. Ben-Gurion accepted the Peel proposals in 1937. They suggested a partition of Palestine, including a Jewish state. He saw them not as the final goal, but as a key step toward a greater Zionist plan. He believed a Jewish state, even if partial, would solidify Jews' place in Palestine. It would speed up their journey toward their historic goal. Ben-Gurion wanted a Jewish-Arab agreement. He believed a strong Jewish state would expand across all of Palestine. But the region's landscape was also changed by the 1936-39 Arab Revolt in Palestine. 
During it, Arab leaders in Palestine and the Nazi movement in Germany found common ground. This unsettling alliance laid the groundwork for cooperation. It was between the Palestinian National Movement and the Axis powers as World War II grew. In May 1941, Amin al-Husseini, a top Palestinian leader, issued a fatwa for a holy war against Britain. He also met with Adolf Hitler and sought Germany's support against a Jewish home in Palestine. Hitler promised al-Husseini that Germany would destroy the Jews in Palestine. He promised this after winning. This tied the region's fate to the outcomes of the World War. Al-Husseini's support for the Nazis was a big problem. He served with the Waffen-SS in Bosnia and Yugoslavia. The joint Palestinian-Nazi operations in Palestine made it worse. They hurt relations between the Palestinian leaders and the British. The 200 Days of Dread, they earned the name of this period. It saw the British reluctantly collaborate with the Yishuv. The aftermath of World War II saw a radical shift in dynamics. The British policies aimed to balance the delicate political balance in Palestine. But they accidentally united the Jewish resistance groups. Together, they set up the Jewish resistance movement. They led a series of armed attacks against the British military from 1945 to 1946. The Ergen bombed the King David Hotel in Jerusalem. The bombing killed many civilians. It shocked the public and led to the end of the Jewish resistance movement in 1946. After these events, the Yishev's leaders shifted focus. They worked to help illegal European Jewish immigration to Palestine. They used small boats and secret operations. They transported about 70,000 Jews to Palestine in 1946 and 1947. The British tried to stop them and detain the refugees in camps in Cyprus. The Holocaust's horror shocked people. They rallied to support the Zionist movement. This made the world rethink the Jewish people's plight and their claim to a homeland in Palestine. Don't forget to join us this Monday. You'll learn more about the fascinating history of Israel and Palestine in part three of our series. See you then.